You are listening to the Creme of the Crop podcast, sponsored by Vidiums.com. Before we get into this episode, uh, we had a bunch of def- technical difficulties recording it. Uh, so there's actually three separate segments talking to Elizabeth here. Uh, so please bear with us. When you hear a cut, uh, you'll know that that's when we got cut off, but we'll continue right from where we were talking about. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Creme of the Crop podcast. I'm here today with Elizabeth Valencia. Uh, Elizabeth, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, I'm president of Carroll Properties Corporation, located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, the most international city in the United States per capita. Um, I average about 10 properties that I manage um, for my brokerage, right now about a $40 million base, but my add-on services of consulting and foreign direct investment keep me project focused on site selection, financing, entrepreneurs. I work particularly with entrepreneurial multinationals and provide grants, foreign trade zone consulting and economic zones such as new market tax credits. Um, Our marketing budget is below the 10% standard for the industry uh, because we kind of have to maintain a lean and mean uh, profile in a small market. We have a website, uh, carolcpcindustrial.com, and we also um, are strongly associated with LoopNet, CoStar, Land and For- Farm, and Locate South Carolina. And we use LinkedIn as a professional um, communication website. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, Would you like to talk a little bit more about the the entrepreneurial aspect that you were talking about? Yes. um, I found that um, in attending uh, national and international uh, conferences, a lot of the major corporations felt that as a boutique firm, um, I might not have the service capacity to deliver for them, and they typically work with groups of 10 or 15 uh, professionals. But my, mm. the entrepreneurial clients are intimidated at a table with 15 professionals and people wanting to do 10-year cash flow analysis because entrepreneurs are really um, operating somewhat from the gut. And uh, since I'm an entrepreneur myself, I'm able to communicate with them. And I have a, my, my real life passion is cultural geography. So real estate is my habit to um, Hmm. pay, pay for my travel. So I share the same cultural um, passion of my international clients that, that they want to they want to locate in this country. A lot of these people have run a business for twenty or plus years, and have always wanted a, a factory in the U.S. And so, they're very happy to find that I've created because of my relatively rural location in South Carolina, but very international. Um, that I've been able to learn all the aspects of site selection and corporate finance. I help them write their business plan in English and 
uh, we go through the whole financing process with them. We put together their in, their business incentive package, which most entrepreneurs don't even realize that they can qualify for the same kind of incentives. They just typically don't know how to package their project. So th- I, I handle that whole process for them. Wow. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Do you use, uh, out of my pure curiosity, do you use Spartanburg as the uh, you know, most international community per capita in the country as a selling point uh, for, for your entrepreneurs or, or international clients? Actually, they come to this region because they already have heard of it. And many of them have friends that own businesses here. And those, those people who own the businesses here know that I'm the international in the marketplace. Mm. Many, I mean, there are many people that are very active brokers, but they don't have that same cultural geography, that same really interest in, in making sure that the international entrepreneur gets installed in the community and, introduced and and gets a, a strong root presentation gets the connections that they need the saturday schools the japanese saturday school or the german saturday school mm. the chinese saturday school we we make sure that their entire family uh, gets connected and that they get the services that they need to start their company up. And we, we want them to focus on running their company and we run their project. That makes a lot of sense. That, that sounds like a, a pretty incredible operation. Uh, congratulations on that. Let, uh, we're going to go ahead and segue into the, the, the marketing aspect of this. Uh, do you have a, a top you know, two or three marketing avenues that, that work the best for you right now? Yes. And, um, I know that, um, I mean, I've been in business 43 years so that the internet is relatively new for me. So my, my base is, has always been personal referrals hmm. when, you know, you can't have an international business in Spartanburg, South Carolina in the 1980s with no internet without a, a real service position so I've always had the philosophy that if you give people 150% service, they will send you referrals. And that has been and re- remains the strength of my business. The internet is a major supplement. The referral business taught me to be a strong communicator and to care seriously about people. So even when people call me on an internet ad, I can, I'm able to convert them to a personal relationship. And then as a member of SIOR, the Society of Industrial and Office Realtors, I'm able to keep up with. Hi, Elizabeth. Sorry, we, we got cut off there. We're going to just continue from uh, from when we were talking about you using your personal background in, in referrals and personal relationships and kind of bringing that into, into the new age of the internet you know, converting from online ads and social media and things of that nature. Would you like to continue talking about that? Sure. Um, when we go, when we look at, um, at, at how we 
really build the core of our business, it's, it's based on those personal relationships, whether we meet people on the internet. If someone calls on the phone, we try to use our communication skills to convert that person to an inquirer, into a client uh, within a, a three to five minute period, because obviously they're shopping and we have to make sure that they realize that we have a serious interest in making sure that they can be satisfied in the marketplace. Absolutely. And so obviously this, this personal referrals and, and these relationships have absolutely had the, the biggest ROI for you guys. Is, is that a fair assumption? Yes. All right. So kind of moving over to the, the consumer side, uh, you know, you've been in the business for a very long time. You've been able to see the rise of the internet uh, kind of play into the commercial real estate world. Have you seen, you know, some unique things or, or things that popped up that really sparked your interest or you thought were, you know, nifty or, or kind of cool things of way to market a property? Have you had any experience in that, something like that? Well, actually, it's very exciting to me because um, for many years, I had to create such a compelling, hard copy of data, information, a story about the properties that I was offering because my client, my prospect, would have to spend $5,000 or more just to fly to the market to look. So people aren't going to do that unless there's something really compelling. So I was probably one of the first people in the marketplace locally to embrace the internet because it, it offered such a streamlining opportunity for me to... All right, you know, we talk about now um, offering memorandum approach. It's, this has been around for a long time when we began to look at securitization as, as having an influence on commercial industrial real estate. Um, in, in my practice, the securitization is not nearly as important because I'm talking to a um, to more of a 10 million and under entrepreneurial multinational customer. So that that securitization wrap is is even looked at as intimidating to those kind of people. They're not buying a stock. They're not um, investing in a security. They're not looking at that approach, but rather at a, a at a more direct marketing approach. So, um, in my practice, the offering memorandum that a lot of people are using today is is not as effective as it might be for others. And then when I look at the the video walkthrough, again. Um, the the drone photography and the aerial picture and the, the connections to the marketplace, whether it's the interstate system or to other uh, LinkedIn suppliers, that um, the location seems to be a stronger call for my clients than a video walkthrough. I, I couldn't and agree more. That's That's what my entire business is based off of. Okay. The um, individual 
uh, property websites. We've done that occasionally when we have a really unique property, but but we try to incorporate uh, PowerPoint with video onto our existing website um, because we don't we don't have a high volume of properties. We we're, we're more specialized in in working through the process and and working on a project. So we're more project focused. So we we really don't. Um, it's rare that we'll do a separate website. We do have some, but it, it's not what we would call a trend for us. The, okay. tre- the trends we see in that marketing are the strong visuals, the comprehensive data, telling a story. Um, we're seeing my my clients are demanding more energy efficiency, sustainability, and uh, and that entrepreneurial uh, client appreciates the fact that we protect their cash flow and and set up an amortization program that is long-term comfortable. We always tell people you can make extra payments if you have extra revenue, but let's not set up a payment schedule that's going to stress your business at this time that you're expanding. My experience has been that the greatest downfall to expansion for small to medium companies is biting off too much. And yeah, th- that definitely plays much, across the board. Too much okay. debt stacked. So we, you know, we we try to um, we we try to help balance that for them so that we want them to be successful so they can give us referrals. We we live on the yeah, referrals. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so that requires them to be successful. When we, Okay, when I have we, Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I just had uh, two questions for you. Um okay. going back into you were talking about you used a website a couple of times. Um how did you well one how did you decide that you wanted to do that? And two, did you see any any ROI on that? You know, did are, will you ever do it again? Um, the downfalls of it, any plus sides? Uh, you mind talking a little bit more more about that? Well, we we did the individual website for a, a very unique, uh, large four hundred acre property that had a uh, a large water. Um, quarry actually uh, full of water on the site and the story had a lot of history and it was really way too much to get onto our website so in that situation and it was a very expensive property so we we um, did make a separate website from that and because our our land is not zoned it's really a little bit more tricky to come up with the marketing strategies because you have to sort of think of all the possibilities something could be. So in in that situation, we were able to explore a a major realm of of possibilities, but we started from the American Indian history of the water in that area and the, the property so that we could bring forward from history, how could how could we see this turn into a 
uh, next generation kind of property. And we're actually still working on it, and it's we're focusing on a smart new city um, from a green site up to build a whole new city with all the layers of um, development from setting up its own government to school systems to rainwater harvesting and the the whole process of building what you would dream to have as a unique, wonderful city. And so yeah. we have this this project yeah. that we we told that story through the through the website. Yeah, that seems to be a, a common theme when I ask people about their websites uh, or when they do individual websites for their properties. Uh, a lot of them don't like these services uh, like build out or, or things like that where they're kind of like one size fits all for every property. They're more using them to, to tell like the history or, or the backstory of the property because, uh, you know, it, it is a little bit of an investment as far as marketing goes. Uh, they're not typically right. the cheapest thing to do. So I, I definitely see that. I, I've heard it a couple times before, so it absolutely makes sense. Uh, the other question I had for you, because it was something I never even heard before, is you said you like to uh, incorporate PowerPoints with videos uh, somewhere. Yeah. I, I didn't quite understand that. Do you mind explaining that? We, In other words, instead of doing a separate website for some of our properties, um, for almost every property we make a website or a PowerPoint presentation, which we we can then email to people to sort of summarize what what is available um, with this site, and we incorporate video into that, so that you know either we can be speaking to people or we can put a drone photograph in there, um, so that so that it's a dynamic PowerPoint. Okay, I I understand that now. Uh, thank you for the, the explanation. Uh, just a quick side question just popped into my head. Um, do you see or how how do you value uh, a drone photograph? Just just a picture, not a video. Like how how do you see the value in that in, in being incorporated? Whether it's in into your PowerPoint, the website, uh, the OM, the PDF, whatever it is. Well, I started using drones early on uh, as well. And um, historically, we have a very rolling topography. So historically, I've had to fly the county usually once a year in October after the um, after the first frost, when the when the air clears out from the summer haze, and and the trees start to turn. So. From the air, I can see really the trends of what's you know what's going on, where is development going, but sometimes you have to get up too high to really get a close visual on a specific piece of land, maybe the topo, maybe a wetland that's involved or a creek, so the drone with a 400 or so foot height yeah. Yeah. allows us to to get a much closer look at um, at, at what is exactly what's on the ground what what can people see um, we've had people want to inspect roofs using a drone because you can get the drone um, 
closer to seeing whether the roof is functioning. And of course, the roof is a major value proposition on an industrial property. So, and even you know, even large retail properties. So it's important to be able to use those tools um, more effectively to to kind of save the the client time and money. On I'm so glad you said all that. Uh, we, <laughs> you know, drones are obviously a big part of my business, and uh, we, we have a service for inspecting roofs. Uh, not, not to plug myself, but it's called Skivy, S-K-Y-V-I, and it's, a, it's a, kind of like a property management service, and we can talk about uh-huh. that uh, later off the air if you're interested. Yeah. And another yeah. thing I wanted to mention to you was you talked about the, the 400-foot uh, cap on, on drones, and uh, we we also have a hard time with this because sometimes, you know, 400 feet, yes, you're able to see a lot. Uh, but sometimes with with large wide open spaces, it's just not enough, especially like down right. in the, in the middle in, in the Midwest and the South. Uh, so we actually offer this thing called satellite offering memorandums, where we use satellite imagery to get basically as high or as close up as you as you need. Uh, again, we can talk about this more off the air. Uh, just and wanted to actually put that's, it out there. that's what we that's what I had you use in the the stu- the, um, the presentation that you're making for me now. Oh, right. I, <laughs> I totally forgot about yeah. that. Yes. I'm using yeah, you're it. totally right. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm um, going to be getting it in a few days. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. Um, I actually was talking to your project manager just a, just a moment ago uh, about it. So we can give you an up If she hasn't updated you already, uh, I'll make sure she does that today. Um, and then just the, the last thing that I wanted you to weigh in on is uh, there's this debate uh, that I'm half creating, half weighing in on on short offering memorandums versus long offering memorandums. Uh, what is your take? Which is better? Which has Does one have a place in one place, one have a place in another? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I would think that somebody like JLL that is that is kind of expected to, to provide a securitized data, the long uh, uh, memorandum would be appropriate. If I was going to use one, I would want to use one very brief, very short. I, I, I want to be my entrepreneurs want to be succinct. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. All right, give, well, give, give um, the short story. I did want to mention a couple of things. I am a global networker, so I've been involved for ten years with the UN Global Compact, which is the business arm of the UN. Over 7,000 CEOs are members, um, including some universities and um, research organizations. But um, through that, I've really incorporated corporate social responsibility. Um, They nominated me to the ISO 26000 um, CSR as an industry expert to the working group and I attended the climate talks in Paris through the Global Compact. And that's leading me to um, write a book about wine and wineries as they're impacted by uh, climate change to to maybe give some um, hands-on real facts about climate, not just this empirical weather thing, but how does it actually affect something that that you participate in or that that you might 
have a specific interest in. Through that process, we did a lot of um, eco-film festivals for the International Real Estate Federation. So we did film festivals in um, Amsterdam, Moscow, Dubai, Bahrain, Kuala Lumpur, Taichung, and and that really, you know, that puts me out into a, a strong networking venue that that shares my expertise and my passion with a network of brokers and, and clients and um, architects, people that are involved in this, in our peripheral business. So um, it, for me, that cultural geography element of personal satisfaction has to be a part of my process. And I find that with my entrepreneurial clients, it really gives them a value proposition in knowing me. They they understand that um, I donate 1% for the planet on all my income so that uh, I can direct funds to socially responsible projects around the world. And uh, it, it, it just, it allows me to enrich the business that I do with making a rich life. Mm. Well, first off, congratulations uh, on the nomination, being able to participate in, in the Paris talks. And uh, unless there's anything else you wanted to go ahead and say, thank you so much for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for working with me through the technical difficulties and getting cut off a couple of times. And um, uh, thank you. Just thank you. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah.